This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. I'm David Spada with my co-host Elliot Harris. And Elliot, I've learned a lot about basically workouts today in this first 20 minutes. Do you feel like you've lost a few calories? Makes me motivated to go work out maybe once or twice. Well, nothing like looking across the table and seeing Helena and saying, okay, I I could work out. But I think part of the problem is you look and you say, I can never accomplish that. Why should I even try? I might as well just do my 20 minutes a day like I'm doing now. Don't get crazy because the amount of time and effort you have to do. I don't have the time to do it or the motivation. Well, you need the inclination first, I think. Once you get that motivation, then you find the time. What motivated you to do this? Did you just say one day, I want to do this, or was this something you thought about your whole life? No, um, definitely didn't think about it my whole life. Um, you know, I only got into fitness in 1999. Um, once I started, though, I was kind of hooked. It started, I, I didn't actually start in, in figure. I actually started by going to a women's only weekend in. Um, Kissimmee, Florida, where, where it was designed by a Navy SEAL. It was an obstacle course, and you had to run uh, over a you know a rope wall and then a water carry run and then sprinting and then through the little tire run. And, and of course, you know my time was like 10 minutes. It was awful, and I almost vomited at the end because it was through the sand in the heat um, and realized that that's just not for me. I need to find something else. Then I tried the fitness where you actually do a routine, and I did that one year. I came in second. It was okay. Um, and I figured I need something like fitness for dummies. You know, what's, what's, where am I going to fall into place here? And finally, I just found, I found figure where there's no routine. You still have to train as hard as the others, but um, there's no routine and there's no obstacle course. So that cuts down on the time, and, uh, and it worked out, and then I landed here. Let's get to our next guest, a guy who's been training athletes for over 30 years. He retired a few years ago. He is the all-time winningest coach at New Mexico State in Illinois. He had 214 Big Ten wins at the time of his retirement from Illinois. There was the third highest total in Big Ten history. He made a Final Four with Illinois, and he's the one of the top ten winningest coaches all time in NCAA history. Lou Henson, how you doing, Lou? I'm doing fine. So, do you have the uh, orange sport coat in the closet or the red sport coat in the closet, and bring those out for the tournament? Well, uh, Dave and Elliot, I have I have an orange in Illinois, and I have a room just with uh, uh, Illinois various things in there and balls, et cetera. And and down here, I have crimson, a crimson sport coat. So whether I'm in New Mexico, or Illinois, I'm all set up, ready to go. And of course, you know, we spent 25 years or so here, and all the time at New Mexico State as a player and coach, and Illinois, 21 years, and. We spend about five or six months up there each year, so so we have uh, two good places to p- spend a lot of time. So when you coached Illinois, you were here five, six months a year, and then the rest of the time you were in New Mexico? No, when I was coaching Illinois, I was there all the time. Okay, I was going to say, how, how do you coach a team? In That'd be a good, good deal. <laughs> Since I retired, I spent about half the time in Champaign and half the time in uh, southern New Mexico. So will you be following the NCAA tournament closely? Hey, I'll tell you one thing. When I was coaching, I think I know more about these teams now that I'm retired than I did when I was coaching. Uh, I see every game. We have direct TV. I pick up and I'll have all the packages. I watch games from the East Coast to the West Coast. Okay, so what do you make of Illinois' season? Well, I think, you know, I think most people thought they would be up there toward the top of the Big Ten and because a senior ball club, but... Uh, 
you know, they uh, they were up and down a little bit. At at times, I think they could beat anybody. Then at times, they didn't play so well. And so, uh, I think if they play well, they've got a chance to advance in the uh, NCAA. What's fun? How surprising is it when you think you have a team with senior leadership? And it doesn't come through. They're, they're just seniors. They could might as well be freshmen, sophomores, whatever. Well, but, and you, you know that happens some of the time. A senior ball club, I think Bruce thought it was very high on this team, but then at the guard play, I won't pick out any players. Or but at guard play, they're a little inconsistent at times, and uh, and uh, sometimes they just didn't play very well. And other times they played great. Gonzaga, they had them down about twenty and. And uh, they, they beat a lot of good ball. North Carolina, they beat them. And wh- I think I think Illinois is one of the best shooting ball clubs in the Big Ten. I really do. Now they're not quite as good defensively as they used to be, but uh, but offensively they can shoot. But wasn't part of the problem that Coach Weber thought McCamey was going pro last year, and basically he had his guards all set up with Richmond, and then all of a sudden he's got McKinney, and you got to start the guy. But, again, he hasn't turned out to be the player they thought he would be. They're comparing to Darren Williams, and all of a sudden this guy is lucky if he'll get drafted this year. Yeah. Well, last year, at the end of last year, I think people throughout the country thought he was one of the top uh, point guards in the country. It wasn't just Illinois because he had had fantastic games as a junior, and then he didn't play as well this year as he did last year. So looking at the Big Ten in the tournament, Ohio State, a lot of people like. Well, I'll tell you what. I really like Ohio State. Uh, I think they're a tremendous ball club, and I know uh, Penn State almost beat them, Michigan almost beat them, a lot of people almost beat them, but they didn't. And uh, and Ohio State, I've got them going all the way to the final. And if I I pick my, I filled out a bracket here for the local newspaper, and I pick I pick Kansas in the final four, the Elite Eight, Elite. Elite Eight, uh, I had them there, and of course, uh, 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 I think Purdue's got a chance to get there. I don't know. I, probably top 16. I think Purdue will do well, but my top four was uh, Kansas, Pitt, uh, and uh, Duke, and, and, and I think I had OSU in there, of course. Uh, and, but anyway, uh, I, I look at the bracket. I, I'm I'm more confident about LSU, or, or excuse me, OSU getting to the final four than maybe the others because I think you got a pretty good bracket. What do you need to be successful in the tournament? Is it you need the coach to coach at his best, or you need your point guard to basically take over, or is it a combination of factors? Well, I'll tell you one thing. In basketball, is a little different from football. You know, people think that you get ready for a ball club and you make changes during games. I don't know if a coach in the country that will draw out a new a co- a coach who has any experience will draw out anything new during a game. You just don't do it. You do the things that you've been doing, you do them. And you, don't, you, you might work a little bit differently on defense depending on what to do, but offensively you're going to be doing what you're doing. And when you go into NCAA, and I was in there 18 to 20 times, we tried to just uh, do the things that we did for the other games. And the worst thing you do is start trying to change at that time. Can you explain to a team that hasn't been in the NCAA what it's like? Well, you know, it's a different experience uh, going in there because you say what you want to and try to keep them on an even keel, but it's really hard to do because 
of the outstand, uh, outside pressures and all of the, all the things that you go through, I think it's very difficult for a team going in the first time. That's why in the NCAA experience is so important. Are there coaches that you coached against who you couldn't stand, and when you watch them coach today, you just root against them? Well, I try not to root against any coach. I, I, I favor the coaches, and uh, so uh, uh, I, I just enjoy watching sports. And a lot of the guys that I coached through the year started with Rupp and Iba and those people like that. And, and see, there are a lot of young ones aboard now, but uh, I try to keep up with all of them. Okay. Are there any schools you root against? Uh, no, I, I, you're not going to admit it, are you? Yeah, I'm not about to do that. <laughs> what do you think about what's going on at Illinois right now? Weber was always considered a great game coach, got the most of his talent, not a great recruiter. Now, all of a sudden, everything's shifted. He's getting these great athletes in, and now they're starting to question his coaching ability. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a good. Last couple of years, they've gotten some really good recruits, and I think uh, a senior ball club, but then there's some young ones, and trying to work the young ones in. Uh, I, I, I think it was a tough coaching assignment this year, so uh, so I'm hoping that maybe they'll bounce back. And of course, losing those seniors, that won't help any next year either. Now, have you had teams where there was great expectation going into the season, and that expectation was too much of a burden on the players? Well, not not to this extent, I don't think. Uh, you know, some of the now we've been upset in the playoffs by people. You remember when Austin P beat us? But what people didn't understand, Austin P had played Kentucky at two overtimes. They had a great ball club, and uh, we lost to them. And we've lost some NCAA games, but uh, I think if you go a few times, you're going to lose to people that you think you're supposed to beat. Jalen Rose has been in the news lately about talking about the Fab Five. There's this movie out, and he's basically saying that Duke only recruits certain athletes and that they don't want black athletes from broken homes. And Grant Hill took offense and said, listen, I came from a good family, two-parent family, middle class. What is he talking about? Duke basically wants good players, but they'll take anybody. I think you're basically stereotyping Duke. Well, I think that's right. I think Mike Shushef... Krzyzewski will take uh, good players, and I would—I I don't think there's anything to that at all because he will take them. There's a kid, uh, let me just say this, in Duke they recruit outstanding kids, I'll tell you that. Uh, I know they do. But there's a kid who wanted to transfer to Illinois from Duke, and uh, so he told me, did I call Mike? And Mike said, yeah, go ahead and talk to him. Well, he came by to visit, and before he got there, uh, I, uh, I hadn't gotten his transcript. I got his transcript. And, you know, he was going back for his senior year. He had 1.7, and we couldn't get him in at Illinois. So uh, so I'm telling you, they have outstanding students, but it's, it's like uh, uh, some of the other schools, Stanford. Now, if, they, if there's a good athlete coming along, they make exceptions for those. Now, with all the money that the NCAA makes off of this college basketball tournament, shouldn't the players who help provide a great degree of that entertainment, receive something. I understand they get an education from all this, but it, it, it somehow it doesn't seem fair to the players from a financial perspective. I'm sure the players feel that way, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it'll ever happen because how can you take 500 athletes at these big universities and, and if you pay one sport, you've got to pay all of them, and there's no way that you can afford to pay the athletes, and I don't think that will ever change. Uh, 
I believe it'll stay the same. It just it just doesn't work. Most of your even your major schools lose money. Your mid majors ninety some percent lose money. So there's no way that you could pay the athletes because you'd have to pay all of them. Okay, so we'll leave the, the financial payments to the booster clubs and uh, and the under the table stuff that's been going on since you know the days of John Wooden. Well, I, I think if you paid them, I, I think you'd still have some of that. So uh, uh, that's inevitable. That will not come about in my lifetime, I don't think, because schools just can't afford it. I, you know what? I was a manager of the basketball team at Loyola University, and I think the managers should all get scholarships because the amount of time we put in, and we didn't get scholarships. And I'm saying we're here as much as the players, if not longer. We're going to all the games, all the traveling. For, pay the managers. Hey, I agree with that. Managers, it is unbelievable work that they do. And at Illinois, I had managers. I'd had four, five, six. And you know these guys went on, and they got key positions now, and they did a, such a service for us. We couldn't have got along without, without them. And I agree with you. They should be paid. Now, we know you're happily retired, but when the tournament comes around, do you say, you know, if I could just coach for the NCAA tournament, I'd take that job in a heartbeat? I don't think so. Yeah, I've, I've done uh, my share of it, and I don't think I need any more. I sit around and watch the other coaches sweat it out. <laughs> Bobby Knight. By the way, Terry Boers, uh, what's he doing now? He, he's still on radio at the oh, WSCR in Chicago, yeah. You know, say hi to Terry for me. He's, he's, of course, I like to be around writers. I always like Terry a lot. Yeah, good guy. Ellie, you're a writer, too, aren't you, in your spare time at the yeah, Sun-Times? In my spare time, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sun-Times, so, so. that's right. Ellie yeah. writes the column with all the hot-looking girls in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think about Bobby Knight? He came out and said that if he got approached again, it was the right job, he'd come back to coach, and he's in his early 70s. Well, I, I think he probably would, and I think, he, you know, he's at Texas Tech, and I don't think he thought he was going very far there, and... Of course, his son took over, and, and uh, he is relieved of his duties uh, this past spring. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think he might. But uh, you know what happened to me? I retired. I was, I was 64 at Illinois and had a little bit of time on the contract. But uh, And my last year at Illinois, we were ranked 10th or 11th in the country. We went to Duke, beat them, broke their 90-some game winning streak. And, and then we... Uh, Went to Hawaii, came out, only had one loss, like 12 or 13-1. And the very first game against Minnesota, one of the best guards ever coached, Kiwan Garris, tore up his shoulder. Then Hester got injured, another kid got injured, and we didn't do well at the end. And so that's when I thought I'd had enough. And so uh, I, I talked with the AD, and I said, if you'll compensate me, I will, I'll give it up. We had four, we had four sophomores starting. Only one senior, and I knew the next couple of years we'd be pretty good. And so, uh, but we only recruited one player, and, and the coaches were using my age against me, and so I thought it was about time to go ahead and give it up. Well, what happened? Kruger came in. They won about 22, went to NCAA and did well. The next year they tied for the championship, won 22 or 23. But then that year he lost those guys. He lost 18 or 19 ball games. And I knew, I knew that uh, we just couldn't recruit. And he had recruited some, but still didn't help him when those guys uh, graduated. How are you doing health-wise? You know, I'm doing really well. Uh, as you know, I've had some health issues. Uh, perfect health for until about seven years ago, and I had the bout with cancer. And, and then I got that remission. And uh, 
my chemo was so strong, I came down with viral encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain, and, and I was in the hospital for a long time and had to take speech therapy for two or three years as well as physical therapy, and uh, my leg was paralyzed for about six months, and then after that, I, I, I could use, uh, use it a little bit, and I'm doing pretty well now. You're sure sharp as a tack talking to us. One last question. DePaul, basically, they have been in the bottom of the Big East for probably the last five, six years. Do they belong there? Is this team still viable, or do you think that they should basically go mid-level? Well, I just think that I can't believe that they've been down so long. I, you know, I just, uh, uh, I just think they can do it. But uh, uh, you, you got to have outstanding people all the time, and uh, and try to attract the top coaches. And uh, and I think they've had pretty good coaches, but I think there you got to have tremendous coaches to get that thing going. And uh, uh, I think it can be done. Thank you very much for your time, Coach Henson. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoy your insight in the NCA and coaching, and I wish you were coaching my Loyola Ramblers right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, Loyola, you know, hey, I'll tell you, we, we struggle with them uh, because through the years, they, and I remember that team that won the national title. Cincinnati had about a 15-point lead with 12, 14 minutes to go, and it looked like they'd win their third consecutive championship. Loyola, George Ireland, boy, I'll tell you, they did it with that rebound shot at the end. They're the only team from Illinois to win a championship, and every time Illinois loses in the Final Four, I'm happy because my Ramblers still have the title. Well, sure, of course you are. Hey, guys, nice to visit with you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the legendary Lou Henson. Wow. Incredible. Fantastic. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we hope to have on another legendary NCAA coach, Judd Heathcote. You're listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. 